passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. It is not February 2nd, but it sure feels like Groundhog Day. Here in Morgantown in Richmond, Virginia, we had this podcast before. I think we're going to see this game before. I have not felt this way before after the game. West Virginia loses on the road again by 10 points. Big deficit again, this time to Oklahoma. And I think it's fair to say that everything changes now. The season's not over, but the goals are no attainable. And it's fair to ask if this team is equipped to stay on track or get on track. And here to help me dissect this all is Chris Anderson. Chris we spoke after Kansas State, we spoke after Texas Tech, and we kind of felt like, well, it was one game. Well, it happened again. Now it seems like there may be some capital T things going on here on and maybe even off the court. It doesn't feel like it did the night of the Manhattan-Kansas debacle. It doesn't feel like it did the night of the Lubbock-Texas debacle. This feels similar but also different. If this were just a standalone thing, I would start off this podcast by saying Christian Doolittle played like a man. Uh, I'm not sure anybody on West Virginia's team did. The perimeter offense remains absent, and the interior offense joined them. And that's it. <clears throat> that would have been more or less my analysis of the game if this were a one-time thing. But as you noted, we're, we're now in a trend here. Three and five on the season on the road in true road games for West Virginia – and some of these games have not even been close, not just inferior teams that they're just dominating West Virginia. And based off of Huggins' postgame comments and some things that, that you and I had noticed during the game, it's more than just those couple things I noted. It, it, this is something that could affect them down the road for the rest of the season and, and kind of derail what was looking like a potentially special year. You can tell sometimes when you listen to Huggins after games what's coming. Sometimes literally the next sentence out of his mouth and sometimes the next time he talks to the media. I've been around him for 13 years now, so I've got a good um, a good cadence. And I really do believe that in between the Kansas, excuse me, in between the Kansas State and Texas Tech game, he was worried and they got things okay. And it looked like it was all right. And the turnovers popped back up again and the free throw shooting went south again. And we don't know exactly what, but there were things that happened after the Texas Tech game. And some of that is chalked up to just being cranky because you lost and you got home at five in the morning and you hadn't done that yet. And some of that is chalked up to not being able to practice the day after the game. So you're a little chippy, you're salty in that day after film session. Um, But they go out and they win again. But they played pretty sloppy against Kansas State and won. They played, 
I would say unenthusiastically, but still won comfortably against Iowa State. And after both of those games, Huggins darn near rang the bell. And I'm assuming that he did before today's game, during today's game, and after today's game. There were signs this is happening, and they were right in front of us. Use your eyes, like we say, but your ears were also there, too. He was saying things to the effect of they're not the same, um, they're not handling success, they haven't arrived, and not all of them seem to understand that. And I don't know how they don't get that now, but I wonder if there is a, and I hate to use this word, but a division between his reality and their reality. You're right. There was definitely some, we should have seen something going on. Going back to that post-game, uh, I think it was post-game radio that he did, uh, when he mentioned something about the team, and 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 he, he kind of went off, just off on his own tangent about this. There was no... The question he was asked had absolutely nothing to do with this. And, you know, if you answer a question that you're asked, um, that's one thing. But when you purposefully take the conversation from just regular basketball stuff right into guys, his comments about how it's a long season, you get sick and tired of being fouled by the same guys, guarded by the same guys, defending the same guys, seeing the same guys, and – it, we should have raised a, raised a couple eyebrows right there and and kind of looked into that more because it's been every every subsequent interview since then has been a comment about something about some attitude and their attitude towards the game towards how they're viewed their opponents and after this game was no different I mean he just he that was all he talked about all game long or all post-radio, post, post uh, post-game radio interview. That's all he discussed was the attitude. He mentioned the 22 missed shots within two feet. That, that really stuck to him. But then he even pinned that on the player's attitude and not showing up for practice and how they're acting. Even mentioned one player who missed the bus to go to the game, which he said has not happened all year. Oh, he told uh, you that, huh? Okay. Yeah. So it's... Uh, I know who it is. I can tell you off the air. Okay. Yeah. It, but... You know, this is all he's focused on. There doesn't seem to be any discussion about the offense, turnovers, shooting correctly, free throw struggles, nothing. It's this attitude and this mindset that this team has, and it is obviously concerning him. Curious, during the week, he said that typically he's had guys who have played through illness, and now he has Sean McNeil missing two games and Brandon Knapper missing one. Um, I've heard some things about punctuality and and that might not even mean being on time although it sounds like our our hero who missed the bus certainly had a punctuality problem there um i heard that i guess open yesterday um and then you know he likes to brag about going outside of his office and sitting on that he has a perch like a, a balcony that overlooks that comes from his office and overlooks the practice court and he likes to sit out there and i don't know if he calls media or coaches or whatever and he just does some work and he watches guys practice and you know, the guys talking and laughing and bouncing the ball half an hour, an hour before practice is a pretty cool soundtrack for a coach, especially as they climb up in the top 15, top 10. Um, that was absent lately, and he's not had that. And he's worried about that because when you do all of that stuff to reach a certain point, um, you have to continue that stuff and maybe even exceed that level to maintain that point, to continue to go up, not to settle. Um, and this is a team that does not and has not handled success. Um, 7-0 in the non-conference is fine, but since then, you know, really up and down. And, and I say that, but they're 11-5 since then. That's not terrible, but 
hasn't pieced together a longer winning streak than three, which is what you have to do to win the conference tournament. Um, if you want to get to the Sweet 16, that's two. If you want to get to the Final Four, it's four. It, it just seems like he has his thumb on something here, and he, I, he, his philosophy is that he can't do anything about this. I know him. I've heard him talk about this, but like once these things go south, he can't do anything. He can tell you again and again and again, don't do it, don't do it, please listen to me. But once, once you lose the grip of that leash, you cannot get it back. And I, I would assume that he is probably as concerned about that as anything else because guys who haven't listened and who have decided to posture and maintain their own attitudes and their own philosophies, they're not going to turn around without serious cajoling. And this is a team with two traditional seniors, three seniors total, five guys who are new and five guys who are in their second season you know, with, of college basketball. That's a hard formula to crack right now. Uh, I know he said he – he can't do anything about it. And I get I get what he's saying at that no matter what he does, it's still in the end, it, the responsibility falls with the player or players. But do you and I think you mentioned earlier that maybe we've reached a point where something's going to change. Do are we expecting a shortening of a rotation? Are we gonna see some benchings? Are we gonna see, you know, in years past we've seen guys flat out benched for a game and he will not joke about it, but he'll say coach's decision afterwards. And that's his only answer to it. And that's it. Is it too late in the season to, to do that kind of stuff or, or does he need to do that with the way things are going? He's punitive with playing time. He makes you pay in the form of minutes. And I'm shocked that a guy was late for the bus or missed the bus and I had to stop her. I'm not sure how that worked out. Um, text message is all I got in that. And of course the follow-up wasn't answered, but I'm shocked that person played. So that seems unusual to me. So there might be an explanation for that. But the fact that he brought that up is interesting. Um, I don't know what you do, though, because is this team good enough to play with eight or nine people? I don't think so. Um, And if you're cutting out people who aren't playing well, you lose the potential for something that he's really hung his hat on as to they're going to make shots. It'll come around. It's kind of incongruous right now, too, but... I would think that this can't happen again, but I would also think that this is not the time to get in a lab and experiment with chemistry and playing time because as as weird as this feels right now and as definitive as we are about can't win the Big 12, a two-seed is certainly in peril. A one-seed's likely gone if that was a goal at all. You're playing your two hardest games of the season that are left in succession here. And this is a team that hasn't had a losing streak yet and is staring at one right now and is staring at a three-game losing streak and then has to go on road on the road for back-to-back. No, no, gets Oklahoma State at home and goes on the road for back-to-back games. It's a brutal five-game grind right now, and this is not the momentum you want to carry in. So it's, it's a crazy conversation. Do you continue the status quo and do you define insanity or do you make a change at a really inopportune time and perhaps even illustrate insanity by doing something that no one would think of doing right now? Here's my question for you. A little thought experiment. All right. Take this team's best game. Is that Texas, maybe? The best overall game. They play that way 30 times. 30, 32? How many games do they play? 31 32. regular season. 31 regular season games. And take their worst game. Kansas State or this one? What do you say? This one hurts the most because it it just absolutely wasn't supposed to happen. Kansas State will happen, but if you if you just if you put them in a line and you spun them around like a, a shell game, I think Kansas State was probably worse. Okay, so 
31 games of, of how they played at Texas versus Texas. And thir- what's their record? What's their record with this schedule if they play that 31 times? Probably that's a that's a great point because you still lose the Kansas State game, and this team has only lost five games. So. No, 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 no. Say that say that they're playing against at Kansas State the same way they played against Texas. All thirty one games they play with the same energy, the same you know boy on both efficiency on both sides of the court, both ends of the court. Are they thirty and one, twenty nine two? They're they're something like that. Yeah, they're not they're not a perfect team. They're going to miss free throws in one game, or they're going to shoot sideways one game. But they're they're twenty nine and two. They're twenty eight and three for sure. And so then Kansas State, what are they if they play that thirty one times? Are we talking? You're talking playing in the second round of the CBI. <laughs> <laughs> That's more generous than I was going to give them. I, I, I my point was the, the the gap between the floor and the ceiling with this team is has got to be maddening for fans, and it, I feel like it's unlike anything we've seen. With recent West with with West Virginia teams over uh, under Huggins, is that recency bias, or do you are you seeing something similar? No, I get it, and I think what's concerning is a lot of the words that we're hearing now, and a lot of the the foreshadowing we're seeing right now. I think if you laid it over top of last season, the timing is pretty similar. This is about the time last year that they kicked Harrison Ahmad off the team, so there's some parallels here that are just naturally concerning. Huggins is Huggins is a smart dude, man. Uh, and the fact that you're talking about the Texas Tech post game and him mentioning that things bubbled over in practice and things were going the wrong way or whatever, he said that to the radio, and then he said that to the reporters. That's not a coincidence. He wanted to get that message because he knows these guys have a two-and-a-half-hour flight. And what are they going to do? They're going to be on Twitter. They're going to be reading things. They're going to see it, and that's supposed to get their attention right away before they land. That didn't work. So I think he's going to be even more dramatic about things now, which makes me indeed wonder about playing time or whatever, because I, I think it's really safe to assume the identity of certain players. When he when he says things to us about, you know, these guys aren't the same, he's not talking about 12 or 13 guys. He's talking about, like, two or three, and those are supposed to be his core guys. And you can look at it and see. You can tell who he's talking about. And then these ups and downs that some of these players have where they talk like they made it back and they've been in the gym a whole lot, and then all of a sudden they fall off again. He gets tired of that, and he's not going to suffer that. So that's the one thing I think that in if not Candace Baylor back to back, you might see some changes here. So, um, I got I just uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I got I got one quote and then one stat and then I'll wrap my my side up. One quote from Huggins to piggyback on what you just said. This is from the post game on the radio, which I have I not heard by the way. I'm also, I'm wearing a tuxedo by the way. <laughs> That's what not I'm trying because, to get you out of here. Not because it's a special occasion, but I'm on my way to go register people for a ball. So. I know this. This is Huggins. I know this. The guys that we have depended on all year are not the same dudes. They are not the same people. Like you said, not he's not talking all 12 or 13. He's talking about a couple, and he's pinpointing people right there because you know he doesn't say names. He very rarely says names, even when he was very clearly talking about Derek Culver in the last game, uh, and he didn't mention his name when he says the guy that's our leading rebounder and he only had three rebounds, um, <laughs> he gets oddly specific sometimes. This isn't quite as specific, but you have a general idea of who he might be talking about in that conversation. Um, and one quick stat just to kind of, I don't want to say it should clear up any worries, but to throw it out there, I went back and looked at the four-year run with Javon and Dax. Uh, there are four years there at West Virginia. 
which was the four years West Virginia made the tournament all four years, had had a couple deep runs. Home records has a had an eighty five percent win rate at home, fifty six percent in true road games. So this is, I mean, three and five, pretty obviously. good. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but it's not you know obviously. Lo- Losing at a much higher clip on the road than than at home, but still not quite as bad as this year. So, just trying to temper expectations a little bit. I don't know if people are expecting five and three, or if they're expecting seven and one on the road, or whatever they're thinking it should be right now. Didn't look very composed today. I, I always shudder to say a team isn't prepared because I don't know what goes into that. So I'm not going to say that. But I think they were spooked a little bit, and once they heard that that crowd perk up, and they saw Manic hit a three and Doolittle hit a three, and then things didn't go well. I really thought that they kind of looked for shelter a little bit. And then I think that there was a point where you look up and, well, there's six minutes left and a half. If they can keep it under 10, that's pretty good. Um, and that just seems like a mentality right now that is a bit pervasive. But it, it just didn't look good to me. The bench is always something you can watch. And when guys have their heads across their shoulder or heads across their hands, um, when they're seated and they're not talking players through things, that's bad, especially on the road, because you have to bring that, that energy and that communication. And I thought their communication stunk today. How many times was a guy guarding a dribbler and ran into a pick? how many times did a high ball screen completely blow up because they didn't know what to do? Um, I mean, how many times did someone grab a defensive rebound and pass it to somebody who wasn't a guard and then pass it to another guard? Those are all kind of weird signs from a team that generally doesn't do that, but they don't have a guy who who can grab a shovel and dig him out of this. They don't. And it's really hard for them to throw the ball inside of Culver and Chibwe. And when they did today, those two got off 26 shots and it didn't work and their perimeter guys aren't good. And, it's, it's not fair to put this on Chase Harler because he's not a one-man gang. He's not going to get you 32 on a night and miraculously save you. He's not going to get you 22 on a night and save you. He's a complimentary player who should be held to that expectation. He played a nine-minute stretch in the first half. His contribution was 0 for 1. He had a minus 15 rating. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, and that's where the game went south. And then just a guy like him is someone who's on the floor because he can steady things. That is his strength. That is what Huggins talks about all the time. They get the ball with 22 seconds left in the first half. They're down by four. You should go in down by one or two, no worse than down by four. He took a jump shot from the top of the key with 15 seconds left. Made it. But Culver got a foul. The shot gets waved off. It gives Oklahoma the ball back. They make a three. That absolutely shouldn't happen. He's like, you're just supposed to generally have better awareness than that. And that's his strength. He's supposed to do those things. And I think you look around and... When the guys that you can't rely on or you're not supposed to rely on and the guys that all of a sudden you find out you can't rely on or you're not supposed to rely on and then all of a sudden the guy you are supposed to count on and rely on, when all of that is like wobbling at once, I don't know how you pick things up. And then they really never got closer in the second half and made it interesting. Well, well, do you want to end it on that upbeat note, Mike? This is weird, man. I mean, today they got announced as a two seed, but the last two seed. And I was kind of surprised by that because um, Maryland won last night. Maryland's higher in the rankings is right there in the net. You know, that's an interesting spot. But like if they if they win or lose Saturday and Wednesday and we could have this argument, right opponent, wrong opponent. But like that's tough. They go to Baylor. That's tough. Um, If you're looking at a one and two stretch or an oh and three stretch. You got to get it together, and then, man, you're playing back-to-back on the road. You get Baylor again. You get Oklahoma here. This is hard, man. Like, there's there's eight games left, and if they want to be – the difference between a two and a three is nothing. Um, if they want to avoid a four and get in the one seed, or if they want to avoid a five and, and a hard second-round opponent, 
six wins. Yeah. That's wild. Yes, it is. Mike, I don't know where to take it from there. Because honestly, I, I'm looking at the schedule right now and I'm trying to come up with those six wins. I mean, I think I had them as a five seed in my preseason predictions and similar record, but. Oh. Well, here's the thing. If you go 0-4 against Kansas and Baylor and you split with Texas Tech, what have you achieved in the Big 12? You've lost some games you shouldn't have. You haven't won any games you're not supposed to. And, and if you're if you're a benefit of the doubt team, they're not going to grant that to you. If you're on the 4-5 line, guess what? You're five. If you're on the three, four line, guess what? You're a four. I mean, so they have to they have to pick up of those three, probably two, just to make sure that they're not the tail side of the coin when the committee calls heads. Because they're let's be blunt here as well. The the Big Twelve is not as good this year. It's very top heavy. Very top heavy. Baylor and Kansas are great. And the, but this still might be a uh, a conference that is fighting just to get what, five teams in? I think. Well, I mean, West Virginia, may be, West Virginia may be very, very kind to some of these teams because, I mean, look who's needed wins and who has so far gotten them. They played Texas right. Tech, needed a win. They played Oklahoma, needed a win. They're going to get TCU and Texas that I don't know if they're first four in or last four in, last four out kind of teams, but like they would certainly take a, a win over a top 15 team, um, especially at home, I guess. But like West Virginia may sweep some teams into the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, well, let's I've wrap it up day. here. I've ruined your day. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm not in a tux, but I am trying to have a good Saturday night, and, and this is not helping. This is not helping at all. So I'm going to go hang out at the, at the uh, I don't think it's Cash Bar. Um, uh-huh. I'm going to hang out in the corner. I'm going to rub some elbows. I'm going to get some outside linebacker coaching candidate names, and all will be good in the morning. Sounds good. I uh, My wife is setting up a party for our house, so I can't wait to hide somewhere in my own house and try not to take part in it at all. Also, thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it. I can't make it, as you know, because I had this uh, children's hospital gala. But... That's why I didn't bother. <laughs> Let's end with a laugh, then. Uh, regular Sunday popping up, some power rankings, some three things, I think, and then Plenty of news to dissect this and to spin things going forward for really a big week for West Virginia. But that is all for this time. We will see you next time. I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.